0: Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I, Father, I pray that as we come into this time, Father, that we would be able to put aside the cares of this world. Father, that our hearts would be good soil. Father, that we would be responsive to your word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to have your word readily available. Father, I pray for your church as a whole who doesn't have the availability of your word, that you would strengthen them today, Father. Father, I pray for Yvette, as she's been traveling, Lord, that you would strengthen her. And Father, that your church as a whole, who is meeting all across this nation today, Father, that truth would go forth, and your bride would be encouraged, and uh, the roots would grow down deep, in Jesus' name.
1: Zone. Hoping to find salvation in a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar, back to the altar
2: Word says that there's no greater love than this that a man will lay down his life for his friends mm-hmm. God you willingly came Lord Jesus laid your life down for us mm-hmm. the message of love the greatest love story ever written Thank you, Father, that your word declares that your love endures forever. And that it's your will that none shall perish. you loved us yet though we were still sinners, still rebellious towards you. You displayed your love to us. And you continue to display it day in and day out. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you that we are not to remain the same, but God, that in Christ and accepting you, Father, receiving the gift of salvation, we are born again. We are new creations. That our old desires are old ways, our old life that we've nailed it to the cross the freedom that is in Christ we are no longer slaves to sin or to death but that we are freed and free indeed I pray O God for us today Lord we would remind ourselves daily God that we humble ourselves daily that we recognize that we are poor in spirit God that we submit ourselves to you and we walk in freedom and that we will proclaim the good news that it's only found in Jesus. Give us boldness in our witness, Lord. Give us confidence in your message, Father. That we too would be God fearing people in our generation. Find us faithful, Lord, I pray. And as we open your word today, my God, I pray, Father, that we would, Father, take in your living word, Father, that it would be, Father, rooted into the depths of our very heart, that it would transform our lives, God. The Holy Spirit, that we would allow you to be at work within us and among us. We pray for those, God, who are not with us today. We pray, O oh God, that this day, Father, that they would turn to you, that they would know of your love and of your goodness towards them, that you would draw them ever so closer to you, Father. And for whatever reason that they're not here today, I pray, O oh God, that you would minister to them right where they're at and that they would long to reunite in fellowship, Father. We thank you for the reading of your word. May this time be a time that we are refreshed and renewed in your presence, that we may go from this place, Father, to do thy will, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 42, verse 18. And then we're going to read through chapter 43. We left off with Joseph putting his brothers into prison. Remember, they appeared before him, not recognizing him. But he recognized them. And again, we see that Joseph is a righteous man. He fears God. He, he's lived for God in his generation. And again, this is the encouragement that we too can live righteously in our generation. We can live with the fear of God, knowing the love of God, having the good news to share, to live a life, in front of others that our lives may reflect christ to them joseph went through a lot as we've studied and as we've read but now he's been appointed the second one in charge over all of egypt he's been faithful and even in this position he is still faithful that's what i love about this guy like are we faithful day in and day out in our lives. With whatever position we may have, whatever we've been given, are we faithful? And if we're not, it's not to, to beat ourselves down and, and, and to you know play that game that we do where we just wallow around in it. No, it's just to be real and honest. If you're not faithful in where you're at, then just ask God to get you to that place. To grow you, to mature you. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we won't be faithful. And Joseph depended upon himself, Joseph wouldn't arrive at the position that he's at. He would make a mess of everything. Same with us. we see this dependence that we need in our own lives we can see those who have gone before us and we can see how God has worked in and through them through God's faithfulness and their faithfulness to God that's what I hope to encourage us in the word today is with what you've been given how are you faithful in it and day in and day out are you relying on your strength or are you dependent upon his seek the Lord and he will be found if we seek him with our whole heart. If we allow him to have every area of our lives so that he can bring about what he has purposed for us. So remember, don't forget, and I've been thinking about this this week, is you know he's prepared good works for us to do. Like he's prepared. Even before we were placed in our mother's womb, he has prepared good works for us to do in this generation. Oh God, make us faithful to what he has called us to. Not to what we call ourselves to, but to what he has called us to. Joseph is faithful. And remember last week, I encouraged you. You may may read the account as we read last week and wonder, why is he doing this to his brothers? No, he's not doing what he did to his brothers out of bitterness, out of anger. No, it's all about reconciliation. His father is still alive. He has a younger brother he's never met. He longs to be connected again to his family. It's all about reconciliation. And that's what we know of our God. He is a God that redeems. He's a God that reconciles. In fact, the ministry, the Bible says that each of us as Christians have been given is the ministry of reconciliation. Each of us have that. That's what we've been given. And we're to go and we're to preach the good news so that others can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Now we're all going to do it differently because we're all gifted differently. That should be the forefront of our thoughts each and every day. That ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to it. We've all been given it. Go forth. Reconcile others by proclaiming the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's only through Christ that men and women can be reconciled back to God. That wholeness healing that comes from christ like we come to church you know and as christians we come to church to be encouraged to, to be among fellowship but the lost need to come to church we welcome the loss we welcome the sinners because we want them to hear the good news not everyone is going to accept christ not everyone will hear the message of the gospel and see it for what it is It will either melt their hearts to draw them even closer to Christ and accept Christ, or it will harden them and they will turn from Christ because they long to remain their own. The call of a Christian to coming to Christ is that you die to yourself. You see your need for a Savior. You're not fighting to stay in control. No, you're laying everything down because such great love has been revealed to you. And your response to that is with love. Laying your life down. You're not your own any longer. And you're learning to live differently. You know? You're learning to grow. You're learning to mature. This is the hope that we have that's found in Christ. But today we're opening up and we're seeing Joseph. Verse 18. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man. If you do as I say, you will live. If you really are honest men, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. The rest of you may go home with grain for your starving families, but you must bring your youngest brother back to me. This will prove that you are telling the truth, and you will not die. To this they agreed. He's reading different commentaries this week on this, and it's interesting that he says to them, I'm a God-fearing man. He lays out this declaration. I'm God-fearing. Remember, they don't know who Joseph is. Joseph says, I'm going to honor my word to you. I love that. I love the confidence that he has, not in and of himself, where it's prideful, but his confidence in God. Like, he's not boasting of himself. He's boasting of his God. Like, I fear God. I'm a God-fearing man. So you can trust the words in which I'm saying to you. I said, wow. So you have to have that type of character. Like, do people hear your words? Does it match your life? so important that they do. But as I I was studying and and looking at all these different commentaries, it's interesting that a lot of them said that as he's having this interaction with them now, he wants to see if they're changed men. And I love that picture. This will prove that you were telling the truth and you will not die. To this they agreed. He said, have they changed? Are they still the same manipulative, you know, deceptive, you know, hateful, murderous men? Because you remember what they did to Joseph. They hated him. They wanted him out of the picture. He wants to see if there's a change of heart in them. Speaking among themselves, they said, clearly we are being punished. Listen to how they're talking now. Clearly we're being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but he wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, Reuben asked? But you wouldn't listen, and now we have to answer for his blood. Listen to this conversation they're having. They're recognizing, wait a minute, this is being done to us for a reason. You can see that they have laid, they, 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 within themselves, maybe even discussed within themselves, the issue of Joseph over these years, because look how easy it was for it to come right back into the forefront of who they were. They knew they did wrong. Their intention at that time was to get rid of him, but it was driven by such anger and such hatred towards him, and I can only imagine the guilt and the shame and, and just the depth of just the the hurt they must have been carrying all these years. And yet when they see what's happening to him, the first thing they go back to is we're being, this is payment. I mean, it's coming back on us for what we did to him. Of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them. So they're having this conversation. They had no clue that Joseph could understand what they're saying. For he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. Now he turned away from them and began to weep. Joseph was moved. He sees that his brothers are changed men. He sees that there's something within them. It's different. And he weeps. When he regained his composure, he spoke to them again. Then he chose Simeon for, from among them. And had him tied up right before their eyes. Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men's sack with grain. But he also gave secret instructions to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supplies for their journey home. So the, brother, the, so the brothers loaded their donkeys with the grain and headed for home. But when they stopped for the night, and one of them opened his sack to get grain for his donkey, he found his money in the top of his sack. "'Look!' he exclaimed to his brothers. "'My money has been returned. It's here in my sack.' Then their hearts sank. Trembling, they said to each other, "'What has God done to us?' When the brothers came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him everything that had happened to them." The man who was the governor of the land spoke very harshly to us. They told, they told him, he accused us for being spies, scouting the land. But we said, we are honest men, not spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of one father. One brother is no longer with us, and the youngest is at home with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man who, then the man who was governor of the land told us, this is how I will find out if you are honest men leave one of your brothers here with me and take grain for your starving families and go on home but you must bring your youngest brother back to me then i will know you are honest men and not spies then i will give you back your brother and you may trade freely in the land as they emptied out their sacks there in each man's sack was the bag of money he had paid for the grain the brothers and their father were terrified when they saw the bags of money Jacob exclaimed, you are robbing me of my children. Joseph is gone, Simeon is gone, and now you want to take Benjamin too? Everything is going against me. Then Reuben said to his father, you may kill my two sons if I don't bring Benjamin back to you. I'll be responsible for him, and I promise to bring him back. But Jacob replied, my son will not go down with you. His brother Joseph is dead, and he is all I have left. If anything should happen to him on your journey, you would send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. Wow. Jacob is overwhelmed. The brothers do not know what's going on, but God has a plan. (laughs) That's such encouraging. That's such such an encouragement that when you think about this is chaos, they they don't know what on earth is happening. But yet God does. God has a plan even in the midst of uncertainty. Even in in the midst of things that just seem so out of control that doesn't make sense. God is at work, you all. God help us to see that. God help us to cling to him. In the midst of our our trying days. of, Of our trying months and years. God help us to abide in Christ. To trust in him. God has a plan. The Bible says that he will work out. For good. But the enemy intended for harm. For those who love him. And are called according to his purpose. Wow. What a beautiful promise that God will work it out. What the enemy intended for harm, God will work out for the good. Amen. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose.
1: Hmm. It's great news.
2: There's no need to be anxious or overwhelmed. God is in control. That's what I've had to tell myself over the past couple of days. God, you're in control, no matter what happens. No matter what I may be facing, no matter what we may be facing, like God is in control, no matter what people are suffering and enduring, God is still in control. Wow, the hope that we have. Chapter 43, but the famine continued to ravage the land of Canaan. When the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said the man was serious when he warned us, You won't see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you send Benjamin with us, we will go down and buy more food. But if you don't let Benjamin go, we won't go either. Remember the man said, you won't see my face again unless your brother is with you. Why were you so cruel to me, Jacob moaned. Why did you tell him you had another brother? The man kept asking us questions about our family, they replied. He asked, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? So we answered his questions. How could we know he would say, bring your brother down here. Judah said to his father, Send the boy with me, and we will be on our way. Otherwise, we will all die of starvation, and not only we, but you and our little ones. I personally guarantee his safety. You may hold me responsible if I don't bring him back to you. Then let me bear the blame forever. If, he hadn't, if we hadn't wasted all this time, we could have gone and returned twice by now. So their father, Jacob, finally said to them, if, I can't, if it can't be avoided, then at least do this. Pack your bags with the best products of this land. Take them down to the man as gifts. Balm, honey, gum, aromatic resin, p- p- pistachio nuts, and almonds. Also take double the money that was put back in your sacks, as it was probably someone's mistake. Then take your brother and go back to the man. May God Almighty give you mercy as you go before the man, so that he will release Simeon, and that Benjamin return. But if I must lose my children, so be it. So the men packed Jacob's gifts and doubled the money and headed off with Benjamin. They finally arrived in Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin, with them, he said to the manager of his household, These men will eat with me this noon. Take them inside the palace. Then go slaughter an animal and prepare a big feast. So the men did as Joseph told him and took them to Joseph, into Joseph's palace. The brothers were terrified when they saw that they were being taken into Joseph's house. It's because of the money someone put in our sacks last time. We were here, they said. He plans to pretend that we stole it. Then he will seize us, make us slaves, and take our donkeys. The brothers approached the manager of Joseph's household and spoke to him at the entrance of the palace. Sir, they said, we came to Egypt once before to buy food. But as we were returning home, we stopped for the night and opened our sacks. Then we discovered that each man's money, the exact amount paid, was in the top of his sack. Here it is. We have brought it back with us. We also have additional money to buy more food. We had we have no idea who put our money in our sacks. Relax, don't be afraid. The household manager told them, "Your God, the God of your father, must have put this treasure into your sacks. I know I received your payment." Then he released Simeon and brought him out to them. Always fascinates me that these people who are not worshiping the god the god the one true god yet they 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 speak of him like your god did this for you he had no clue this household servant he had no clue that joseph put the money back in but i love the fact that he says to these brothers relax don't be afraid your God, the God of your father, must have put this treasure into your sacks. Wow. An unbeliever. Encouraging believers, if you would, in their God. It's God's favor. When Joseph came home, they gave him the gifts they had brought him then bowed low to the ground before him. After greeting them, he asked, How is your father, the old man you spoke about? Is he still alive? Yes, they replied, Our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low again. Then Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about, Joseph asked? May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into his private room where he broke down and wept. After washing his face, he came back, keeping himself under control. Then he ordered, Bring out the food. Ah, oh, what a beautiful picture you all. And he's so overwhelmed. He's looking at his little brother who he's never met Maybe over the years, he he longed to know what was going on with his family, to be reconnected, to be reestablished with them. And now finally, there they are before him, and this younger one is there now. And he's so overwhelmed. Beautiful picture of him weeping. Such emotion. I I can't even imagine what he had to endure through the years. But even having that type of deep grief... That sense of, of loss and isolation he didn't allow it to control him he didn't grow bitter he, he didn't complain and murmur he didn't fault fine and say poor me, my poor life no he trusted in God he served faithfully he got up each and every day and he was faithful in what he was given God help us to not allow the past or the hurts or the wounds to keep defining our days. To order our steps. No, who, who God orders our steps. Not our past, not our wounds, not our insecurities. No, God orders our steps. Doesn't mean you won't have the hurt and the pain. But the pain and the hurt won't have you. He carried this for quite some time. And I love the fact that he stepped away privately. He wept. He washed his face. He gained his composure. And he went back in. Because he's still faithful to what is purposed. (laughs) Reconciliation. The waiter served Joseph at his own table. And his brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table because Egyptians despise Hebrews and refuse to eat with them. Makes me, I did the same thing when I read that too. I kind of chuckled. said, That's amazing. They despise the very one in whom they're serving. They despise the one who's in second in command. They'll serve him faithfully, but we're not eating with you. But they still had that against them. Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit and to their amazement he seated them according to age from oldest to youngest and Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table giving Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others so they feasted and drank freely with him not beautiful I love this picture I love this picture of of breaking bread, of eating, and, 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 and they're freely just enjoying themselves. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Of what Christ does for us. He calls us to his table. Take your place. Take your place. I've prepared this table. Reminds me of this visual that we read in Psalm 23 that that the table is prepared for us even in the midst in the presence of our enemies. He says, come, come, dine with me. And enjoy it. That's how our Christian walk should be. We should be enjoying this newness of life. It shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't be this weird thing that we make it. No, we should freely come. Come to the table. Enjoy what Christ has given us. Hold your head up. Walk straight. Enjoy it. Let people see the confidence that you have in your God, the freedom that He gives that is being expressed through our lives. Because then they see something different in us. What is it about you? Oh, it's not about what, it's about who let me tell you of the one who has done great things not, but not just for me but for you as well but this beautiful picture of fellowship of breaking bread, of eating together of enjoying each other's company they went from fear to from the unknown to the known being accepted darkness if you would to light they were bound by such fear they did not know what was going on but in a second in a moment's time everything shifted and turned and here they are at this table at this feast and they're accepted ah it's a beautiful picture you all go to matthew chapter 13 verse 47 Jesus is still teaching about the kingdom. It's all about his kingdom, you all. Advancing his kingdom. For his kingdom and for his glory. It's all about him. It's about his kingdom. This is the hope that we have. He's returning for those who belong to him. And we're going to be ushered into his kingdom. But the great thing is, is we don't have to wait to be ushered there because we have it here everything that that is there is here with us we can walk as kingdom-minded people we can put our hands to the plow and not look back we can be fit for his kingdom do you pray that my father make me fit for your kingdom if you find yourself looking back at times that should be, you should be quickened to pray. make me fit for your kingdom. I don't want to look long and lean back to, to where I was and who I was, because that's not who I am any longer. I've died to my old self. I'm going to be alive in Christ. So what is my hope? What am I looking forward to? Make me fit for your kingdom. I want to walk in obedience. I want to trust in you. I want to be about your business. And your business is to tell others about you. My life is not my own, and not to be so self centered where I make everything about me. No, God, I'm to freely give. I'm to freely give. Of my time, of my resources. I'm to freely give. To see others as you see them, to love them, to share the good news with them not to coddle them, not to keep them enslaved to sin, but to be bold, to share the gospel, to uphold truth and righteousness. Though it will look like hate speech, people will hear the gospel and and turn from it. We can't change people's hearts. In minds, we just gotta leave them to God. All we could do is be faithful to what He's called us to. Not to hate people, not to despise people. People have a right to reject Christ if they want. They have a right to reject you as His messenger. They have a right to live however they want, and we can trust the fact that God. Okay, you know them, Lord. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to say mean things to them. We don't have to, you know, get crazy. Just keep living your life. You living a righteous life will drive them crazy enough. You don't need to provoke anything within them. Your life itself will provoke. To some, you will be a fragrance of life. To others, you will be the stench of death. But Jesus is still talking and, and preaching his kingdom. We need to be kingdom-minded people. We pick up chapter 13, verse 47. Again, Jesus is speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up until the shore sat down and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. Oh, here again we see this picture of the righteous and the wicked being separated. This is why, this is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, Do you all, I mean, do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who gains from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. Wow. Again, we see this picture. Jesus is talking about the end of the world. He's talking about his returning those that are righteous will be united with him those who are wicked who are still going their own way will be separated in this picture into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth a place of torment And I know, it baffles my mind when I think that there are, and I use the term loosely, churches and ministers who, who say there is no hell. Who basically make it all about this kumbaya type feeling and story that we're all just marching in to eternity in heaven into the kingdom of God. You don't see Jesus preaching that. Like it's his kingdom. You would think if that's how his kingdom was to be, that that's what he would have came to do. I don't, it's, it just blows my mind. You see the level of deception where people's eyes are blind. And you can just hear people talk of what they believe and how they believe. Oh, I don't think there's really a Hell. Oh, yeah, no, no, it's already, and, and they' got all these con these thoughts and these concepts of what they believe, and they truly believe it, and yet it's so contrary to god's truth, like if Jesus is teaching it, if Jesus is asking his disciples, "Are you getting this <laughs> like are you understanding this like it would do us good to understand it like There's an urgency of the hour. Like deception is running amok in our generation. And it's only going to get worse. That's why we must have understanding. We must have discernment and wisdom. To be about our Father's business. To get out there, to be His hands and His feet. To be His mouth, to speak the words of truth and of life. Remember, Jesus says, they're going to hate you because they hated me. The world at that time and the people of that time despised Jesus. They thought him to be a lunatic. They killed him. And they thought that they rid the world of him. (laughs) But oh no. On the third day, he rose again. And the church, when he ascended into heaven, and he told them to go wait, and the Pentecost happened, the church was birthed, but now you have all these people, from then until now and until he returns, sharing the good news of Jesus. You can't silence him. You can't silence the church. You can't destroy his word. It's the living word. It has endured through time. This is what we've been engrafted into. He says, if they've done it to me, they're going to do it to you. If they don't accept your message, it's not that they're not accepting you. So don't, get, don't take it so personal. Just keep going. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. There's work to do. There's work to do. There's work to do. There's work to do. Work while it's still light. Work while you still have the opportunity to tell others about Jesus. There needs to be a sense of urgency within us day in and day out to tell the truth about Jesus. To not just get so caught up in society. Lord, if I keep hearing all these things that people are saying and doing, trying to blend the world with Christ trying to give rights to others, that you can continue to be this way and do this and do that and still be engrafted into his kingdom. It's all lies. We have to understand that the enemy knows his time is near and deception is growing at an alarming rate. And So we have to get up over ourselves, over our circumstances, and start saying, God, how are you working? Where do you want me, God? How am I to position myself today? Find me faithful today, God. How am I to serve? There's an urgency. There's an urgency. And we should be be, drawn into that. Not overwhelmed, but a healthy sense of urgency. That there's work to do. Because you don't know when that person's going to take their last breath we don't have time to coddle people and just pat people on the back oh if they're not living right if they're not in Christ there needs to be a sense of urgency and again not to beat them down with the Bible not to you know do it like a, the, the crazies that do it but the sense of urgency to build relationships with people, to talk to people, to to know them, to share with them. It's a sense of urgency to let others know about Jesus. When I think about that street preacher who was, stand, was standing there. As people in Las Vegas were f- flooding into that concert. And he stood there and he was preaching truth to them. He was moved with compassion to preach the truth. And it may have offended people. Because truth will offend people who want to do what they want to do. And there was a few that would approach him and mock him and laugh at him. Mock Jesus. There was others who would demand that I'm Christian. I can do whatever I want. And I thought, my God. This man, in his his conviction and in his witness, he's out there and he's warning them, turn to Jesus, turn to Jesus. And then just a short time later, these people's lives were forever changed because of the mass shooting. What an incredible vision of 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 having that sense of urgency. That man could have stayed home. I'm not saying we all have to get out in the streets and do that. But what I'm saying daily, do you have that sense of urgency for your loved ones, for your co-workers, for the people that that you're interacting with on a day-to-day basis? Are you at a place where you'll stop and pray with people, share with people? Like having that sense of urgency? You heard him. He was passionate when he was pleading with them. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I wonder how his words rung in their hearts when the chaos was happening, and even afterwards. Because he was at the entrance, and everyone funneling in heard. And I said, God, that's how you do it. God gives us the opportunity to know him, to hear about him day in and day out, as we're going along our way, like he's constantly revealing himself to us and to the lost, giving them the opportunity to turn to him. No one knows when their time is up, but we do know there's a time coming for everyone that they would take and we would take our last breath. And when we finally take that last breath there's no do-overs there's no purgatory there's no weirdness that people want to kind of create like it's done it's done and you will stand before the living God being held accountable for what you did with Jesus you either accepted him or you denied him And the righteous will enter in and the wicked will be removed. And they will go to a place of eternal torment. Forever. Forever. That's why you've always heard me say we need to care more about people's eternity than their temporalness. We're so afraid to talk with people because of how they may react back to us. But that may be the last night me be the last day that they're here and you're holding out because you're afraid just plant the seed trust God that others will come along and water it share truth stop talking about them and hoping that they'll change no, share truth share Jesus And the hope that is in Christ, the hope that is in Christ, the majority of my life I've heard that I was an abomination, that God hated me. That's all I ever heard. The majority of the message I heard was how much God hated me. But it wasn't till. The message of truth really came. Yes. You are a sinner. Yes. I am in rebellion towards God and his kingdom. And in that I deserve to be punished. I will suffer God's wrath. I will be separated from eternity. God hates what I'm doing. I am wicked before the eyes of God. And God knows this about you, Rob. But in this knowledge of this, he's made a way through his son, Jesus. Like Jesus endured the wrath that you should because of his great love for you. And it's through Christ you now can choose to love God. You don't have to remain rebellious. You don't have to remain an outcast. No, you can be engrafted in to his family. Wow. And nothing of what I've done or could do is off what Jesus did. This picture of such love and the picture of such great wrath. We need to see them both To truly get the fullness of who he is. To get the fullness of what was done through Christ. What he had to endure. What he willingly laid himself down to do. So that's all of us. Because we're all sinners. We're all born into this nature that is in rebellion towards him. But he says, no, no, I've made a way through my son and having that exposed having your eyes open to it like wow why would I settle for myself why would I settle for the temporalness of life why would I settle to remain in rebellion to be wicked When God has made a way, knowing that I never could. Knowing that you never could, but he made a way for me and for you. And it's through Jesus. So we don't remain rebellious. We don't try to hold on to our lives. No, we freely lay them down because as he's expressed it, we express it. This love is being expressed through all creation. Such great love. The hope that's in Christ laying of our lives down because He laid His down for us. And so we just respond and we go forward living as righteous ones. Not in of our own strength but empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So, we walk in the Spirit habitually so that we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. If you're gratifying the desires of the flesh, if I'm gratifying the desires of the flesh, then I'm not walking in the Spirit. We must grow. We must mature. Like I said a couple weeks ago, rather you're a young Christian or middle aged Christian or an older Christian, we're at different levels in our understanding and our maturity, but we all have the same thing in common. We're all to be pursuing righteousness and living righteously, doing what's right. Now, we're made right with God through Jesus, not out of our works. We're not working to be right with God because we can't. But because of Jesus, we are right with God. And so with that status, with this identity, we begin to change to do what's right. We're not forced. It just comes. You just sow into it. And you get it. And you walk it out. So it's not about us trying to do good, to to remain in Christ. No, you're secured in Christ. Now you just live it out. Just as you were when you were in total rebellion. You learned the ways of of the rebellion. And you lived that way so it is now you learn the ways of his kingdom and you just live righteously you just live for Christ when Jesus had finished teaching verse 53 these stories and illustrations he left that part of the country he returned to Nazareth his hometown when he taught there in the synagogue everyone was amazed and said Where does he get this wisdom and power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. (coughs) Wow. Rejected by those who knew him. And that became a stumbling block for them. We know him, we know his family. (laughs) He's just a carpenter's son. Where is he getting all this from? And they didn't believe. The ones that know you the most, most likely will be the ones that you won't be able to reach. Because they're going to remember you. So don't take an offense at that. We also want to listen here, that our unbelief can hinder what God wants to do in our lives. God is not holding back to be a a mean father. He wants to freely give. But he can't work amongst unbelief. We must walk by faith and not by sight. It's faith, it's our faith that pleases God. It's our faith that we need to be walking in. Holding on to our faith that he is a good God and that he is for us and not against us. That he is our provider, our healer, our comforter, our deliverer. He is our salvation. He is our hope. So encourage yourself in this daily. But understand the kingdom principle because as you get to understand the kingdom that you've been engrafted in, there's principles at work. And where there is unbelief, God cannot move. And we see this here. He only did a few because of their unbelief. We're going to go through, start chapter 14 and only go to verse 12. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, This must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias's daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him, so he promised, with a vow, to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, "I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray." The king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison. In the prison and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who looked who took it to her mother later john's disciples came for his body and buried it then they went and told jesus what had happened john the baptist the one that came to prepare the way for jesus the one that preached the kingdom of god with such Boldness, calling people to repentance, to be baptized. And this is how his life ended. He was bold in his witness. He didn't gain a, an earthly palace, he didn't gain earthly wealth. What he gained was a prison. that led him to be beheaded because his message irritated others they hated to be told that they were wrong and that they weren't living right and it cost him his life that sense of urgency work to be done and in doing the work it may not go the way you think but it will go the way God has planned if you're faithful John the Baptist was faithful and they led him to a prison ultimately to be beheaded the church throughout the years people have remained faithful not to cling so tightly to the things of this temporal world but to hold tightly to the things of the kingdom of God and has led them to their death to imprisonment to running from one place to another for safety to having their wealth and their possessions stripped of them to having their families slaughtered in front of them all because of Jesus the world is not going to accept the message of Christ and the cross that doesn't stop us from going out into the world proclaiming the message because it's the only hope that this world has so let us remember the life of John the Baptist And let us pray for boldness. Let us pray for boldness. Let us not condone sin. Let us not unite ourselves with it and just pat people on the back. Let us be bold in our witness. I'm sorry, I cannot go along with you with this. That is a sin against God. I cannot partake of this with you. What you're doing is sin. church doesn't know she seems to be confused in this day and age I mean I read an article of 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 this popular Christian rapper who who is now pulling away his stances he's pulling away from the white evangelical stance on Christ and, 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 and fellowship there's such racial division within the church when is the theology black or white Or Hispanic or German or any other it's about the kingdom of God and then as a white man if I say that then I'm told that I don't understand the plight of the black man or the Latino man or this man or that man what are we doing with each other in the church we don't even know how to address perversion in the church we don't under, we don't, we're not addressing, we're not, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're just catering to the world. And the world's looking at us and we don't even know who we are, so how can we testify of the God of who we say we know if we don't know who we are? We know who we are and we have confidence in who we are because we're in Christ, because we know who God is. We have the Holy Spirit, we have His Word. We have been saved. Like we are now engrafted into his kingdom. We are not to remain ignorant. But when you look around, you see what's happening in the church, much less the world, but the church. And I say, God help us. God help us to be able to stand with such boldness. God help us to be able to open up the Word with other brothers and sisters and sit and open it up clearly, and allow the Holy Spirit to bring understanding to our hearts. There is a way in which we are to live. From Genesis to Revelation, it's not hidden from us. It is revealed if we're seeking like we have no rights any longer. That's why I've always told you, whenever you hear the gospel, giving you the right to self, you better run from it, because it's not the gospel. When you see the gospel that brings division, no matter how people want to sugarcoat it or, or polish it up or make it look like, oh, this is, this is the right stance, no, if it's the gospel that brings division, that's not the gospel. Because the gospel doesn't bring division among the brethren. Now, the gospel will divide the righteous and the wicked. Jesus himself said, What do you think? I came to bring peace. No, I came to divide those who are with me and those who will reject me. But the the gospel in itself, the word of God in itself, should not cause such much strife and division among the church. Because remember when we were reading through 1 John? Like we need to maintain the unity. If the world who was is having issues and, and under such oppressive nature on, on racism and all that, they should be able to look at the church for something different. They shouldn't find it in the church. They should be able to look at the church and see her different. Where they see all the cultures come together as one. As a Christian, as a community of believers who is following their Savior, who's not demanding their rights or pulling away, you know, that doesn't make any sense. So we must be careful. We must really see the fullness of, of, of Christ and who he is and how we're called to live. John the Baptist was bold, and it cost him his life. They led him to a prison. We must trust God that He knows the plans that He has for us. And we must trust and remain faithful to the calling. Go to Psalm 18. And we're just going to read 16 through 36. Psalm 18. Verse 16 through 36. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. Ah, that's a beautiful picture. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because He delights in me. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all His regulations. I have never abandoned His decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the wicked, you show yourself hostile. You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. You light a lamp for me. The Lord, my God, lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock. God arms me with strength. He makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. You help me, I'm sorry, your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. This is our God, you all. Proverbs 4. verse 7 through 10 is where we're ending getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do and whatever else you do develop good judgment if you prize wisdom she will make you great embrace her and she will honor you she will place a lovely wreath on your head she will present you with a beautiful crown my child listen to me and do as i say and you will have a long good life wisdom you all let's seek for wisdom we may have sound judgment that we may walk right and do what's right. And live righteously. Because there's work to be done, you all. Yeah. I'll play this last song, and then I'll close it in prayer.